Starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV, do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? I hope today is treating you well on whichever day that you are currently listening to this podcast, okay? Um, We normally come out on Thursdays, but you know, whenever you have the time to listen to it, you know, whichever day that may be. So, welcome to another episode of my podcast, but Ma, that's my favorite movie. Actually, let me bring that back. But Ma, that's my favorite movie. (laughs) I swear every time I think of my title, it gives me like this retro vibe. Yeah. All right. So before we do get any further today, of course, you know how it goes. I want to thank my listeners. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back time and time again, especially if you have listened to all the episodes or if you've, you know, listened to some that you found interesting because you know how it can be. Uh, but you are a real one, period. I appreciate you. And if you are a new listener, well then welcome. Thank you for tuning in and you are definitely in for a treat today and we hope that treat keeps you coming back for more. So today's episode is titled, But Ma, That's Death Becomes Her. So we have done two other episodes similar to this where basically I highlight a movie that I really enjoy okay and Death Becomes Her is definitely one of those movies okay we are creeping to the end of September happy Halloween Eve or happy Hallows Eve <laughs> I saw something on Facebook that had said that the whole month of September should be Halloween Eve. And I agree. You know how you can submit a day for like whatever you want it to be. Um, And it could possibly be that. That's why we have all these ridiculous days like Donut Day and, um, you know, just so many different days that can, you know, fall on, you know, any time during the month. So you can actually do that. Um, But maybe we should, maybe we should definitely petition for that. What do y'all think? But anyways, I decided to do this particular movie because we are getting close to the end of September and I just wanted to, you know, kind of ease into the spooky season mood because let me tell you this, my favorite season is fall my favorite holiday is halloween shout out to my sister amby because we both share that oh and our little sister raven too we love us some halloween scary movies witches potion spells halloween costumes and candy and everything spooky and scary and just all that good good stuff okay So this movie is considered a dark comedy slash fantasy, which is perfect because, you know, that's what Halloween is about. Fantasy. You could pretty much be whatever you want that one day. Right. And so this movie just feels perfect to do around this time. And also this movie is really in a league of its own and it has a brilliant cast I mean, th- this this is a really good movie. I, I enjoy this movie. This movie also carries nostalgia for me. Um, I mean, this could have easily fell into the nostalgic episode, but this is one movie I feel as though it deserves its own highlight. You know what I mean? All right, we're going to go ahead and just get straight into the summary and we're going to do what we typically have done the other episodes, but I'm going to do something a little different. So if you are a first time listener, you are really going to enjoy this episode. All right, so here goes our 
Synop well no it's not a synopsis we don't shorten this at all honey we pretty much go through the whole dang on movie so we have Madeline Ashton who is played by Meryl Streep she is an actress and she is starring in this musical called Songbird that is based on the Tennessee Williams Sweet Bird Youth but it's not going well people are hating it they are literally leaving the performance like the musical there's no intermission nothing stopped people are literally leaving the show because they think it's terrible now I don't know what sweet bird youth uh what that is about that book or play um and I probably sound really ignorant saying that but it seems like whatever they did with that musical they absolutely hated that adaption so it's not doing very well um definitely not getting rave reviews so Helen who's played by Goldie Hawn comes to this performance to see Madeline because they are actually childhood friends now Helen's fiance is with her and his name is Ernest who is played by Bruce Willis now he is a plastic surgeon and he is mesmerized by Madeline okay um he is just so enthralled with her like he can't get his eyes off of her and Helen is peeping she's peep she's peeping what he's putting down or she's peeping what he's looking at and he she's kind of weary and kind of concerned because she sees how mesmerized he is by her so they do end up going backstage and Helen introduces her husband Ernest to Madeline and instantly it looks like they have a little spark going on so it isn't just one-sided it looks like Mr. (laughs) not Mr. Dr. Dr. Ernest here um it has some eyes for Madeline and you can tell instantly this worries Helen she's just kind of like uh this is not looking good so then after that I guess this is you know a couple days later the next scene we go into where we see Ernest Dr. Ernest at work he's doing surgery you know typical you know, work day, just doing his job. And all of a sudden he gets a knock on the, on the door. Right. And it is Madeline. She has came up to his job with two glasses (laughs) and champagne. Okay. First of all, he's a doctor. He can't be drinking while he's at work, but to celebrate what, you know, like, why is she going up there? So then we hop to the next scene where Helen is upset. And one thing we learned about Helen is when she's triggered or when she's upset, she has this like cloth or this handkerchief. There's this, um, yes, this type of cloth that she pulls on when she gets really upset, right? So she's pulling on this cloth and she's basically telling him that I brought you around her to basically test your loyalty to me because apparently Madeline steals all of her men from her and so she figured if I just get it out the way because I'm friends with her if I show him her if he does not fall for her then he'll be the one for me right and Dr. Ernest tries to let her know you have nothing to worry about like I'm with you just don't worry and then we go to the next scene where do 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 he gets married to Madeline so he dips out on Helen real quick okay he jumped ship super quick and he deserted Helen and this was exactly what she thought what would happen and at that point I mean if he doesn't want to be with you no more what can you do All right, we fast forward seven years later, okay? Now, one thing I I forgot to mention is we are told that Helen is an aspiring writer. And I'm guessing she's kind of like indie or maybe in the works of creating something or maybe having trouble creating anything. We don't really go into details about it, but we know that she wants to be a writer. So seven years later, we see her overweight and she's basically the cat lady, okay? She has multiple cats in her apartment and she's way bigger than we saw her seven years ago and she is basically hung up 
on the idea of Madeline taking her man from her, okay? And she becomes obsessed with Madeline. I added a T there. There shouldn't be no T. Obsessed, obsessed with Madeline, okay? And we see that, well, we hear because the landlord starts banging on her door, trying to tell her like this is your last eviction notice you have to get out of the apartment he keeps trying to like yell through the door trying to get her to open the door but she ends up watching this clip of madeline get strangled and she keeps rewinding it back and rewinding it back and rewind it back and keeps watching it in enjoyment because of course she is so upset with madeline that that's all she thinks about all day every day right so they do end up breaking into her apartment and she ends up getting sent to a psych ward, okay? And at this psych ward, she once again has a crazy obsession with Madeline. And she, at one point, like they have like this little group meeting. I don't want to go into details with it. But she's not showing any progress of what, she's not showing any progress of getting over Madeline because that's all she wants to talk about. And so the psychologist like tells her, you need to eliminate her from your mind. Or she says in some way, she uses the word eliminate. And immediately that sparks an interest in Helen. And she's like, you're right. So of course her mind is thinking something completely different than what the psychologist was suggesting to her, okay? Because the psychologist does not suggest to go out and kill people, okay? All right, so then... We fast forward seven more years later, seven more years later. Okay, so now we are looking at Madeline's life. She is still married to Ernest. Of course, she is a bit older because at this point, this is 14 years later from when we originally saw her. Now, it's very obvious at this point that love don't live here no more madeline and ernest are not the love birds we saw before okay they have definitely left the honeymoon stage and they kind of just throw digs at each other and they just don't seem very happy but when we do see Madeline after all this time, it turns out that she's been invited to a book release party that Helen is throwing and her book is titled Forever Young, okay? And Madeline, I'm assuming they've seen each other within this 14 years. And so she, the last time Madeline saw Helen, she was overweight. So she's like, Psh. She's overweight. I have nothing to worry about with her, whatever. But still, at the same time, we know that, uh, well, you don't know yet, but Madeline is very obsessed with her appearance and the way she looks. And she definitely does wish that she was a lot younger than what she is, okay? Now, also, Ernest he is no longer a plastic surgeon. And I think that has a lot to do with the way they treat each other because Ernest is now a mortician and he's good at what he does, but he's not happy with it. And it does not get explained as to why he had to leave his previous profession of being a plastic surgeon. I don't know why they don't explain that, but yeah, he's, you can tell he's just really not happy with his new career path. And Madeline is insecure and she does wish she was once her youthful self, okay? So since knowing about this invite that she has to Helen's book release, which of course she's gonna go to, she goes to this clinic, right, to get a plasma separation. And to be honest, I'm not sure, I've donated plasma before, but I'm not sure what a plasma separation would do for you, but she wants it. And apparently, I guess it helps with her skin. Maybe it tightens her skin. It makes her look youthful because that is literally what Madeline cares about is about looking young, beautiful, vibrant, tight, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's what she wants. Okay. She's, she's trying to buy her youth back if she can. 
So, so when she goes to this clinic, she's trying to get this plasma separation. The nurse, Anna, who is played by Michelle Johnson, she makes it clear that the policy is that the patients can only get that done every six months. Okay. And Madeline is just like, you know, you can, you know, it's, it's almost been that amount of time. Like I should be able to get it done. And the nurse reminds her, you just got that done three weeks ago. <laughs> like, girl, you were nowhere near no six months to be getting this done again. So then this guy appears. I, to be honest, I was not quite sure who he was. Um, but his name is Chagall. Um, and he is played by Ian Oglivy. I hope I said that right. And I am assuming he's a manager or he might be the person who runs the clinic. It wasn't made very clear, but he tells Madeline about this woman named Lisa Von Ruman. And he gives her a card that has her address. He's very vague in his explanation about why he's recommending this lady to her. But the only thing we do get is that basically, since we are mortals, there's the laws of nature that we can't really avoid. And so you should go see this lady. And this lady only has like a select group of people that know her. And you should just, you know, go by, call her anytime, right? And since it's so vague and he doesn't really tell her like why he's recommending her she thinks he's just being weird tears the card up so then we fast forward to madeline and ernest going to the book release and they initially do not see helen so they're kind of kind of just wandering around just doing their own thing until uh, madeline er and ernest they regroup and you know, they have heard that Matt, they have heard that Helen has arrived. Um, and so they see this one lady who looks a bit chunky and Madeline is like, Oh, looks like she lost a little weight. What? So this lady moves out the way. We reveal Helen who is now tight body, luscious red locks, nice little frame looking so youthful because at this age they're supposed to be around in their 50s and Helen's looking good and this shocks Madeline because she's like wait last time I saw you you are a heifer and you know now you're looking like Princess Diana or something you know what the heck happened so Ernest once again gets this look in his eye the same look that he got when he first saw Madeline looking all mesmerized and and um like attracted to her and Madeline instantly is like no you're not going to leave me like you left her for me okay so uh Ernest is like oh well let me go talk to her and then Madeline is like no I'll go talk to her so Madeline goes up to Helen and they are acting fake okay they are fake and phony you want to talk about you know someone who's fake and phony these women are the perfect example of that because they both have hidden agendas and they both like to throw jabs at each other but then call each other friends right so Madeline mentions to her oh I haven't seen you in a long time and she was like you know you actually have a waist now and then Helen basically says well you know what I had my PR woman send you an invite I was so worried you wouldn't make it but then my PR told me that Madeline would show up to the opening of an envelope low-key throwing shade like you ain't got nothing going on in your life so you just be going to every event or any event people will invite you to and then Madeline of course she has to bring up the fact like oh you know um I'm so happy and me and Ernest are doing so well our life is just so great together which we know they're not and um you know I feel so bad because my happiness was at your expense 
And you're like, you know, she don't feel bad about it. She is just trying to rub it in Helen's face that I have your man. Um, And so Helen makes it a point to tell Madeline, I never blamed you for Ernest leaving. Um, Basically saying it was his choice. Like he just went to you. That wasn't your fault that you're attractive and you're this actress star. You know, I don't blame you. And so then Helen's thinking, maybe she's like gotten over it. Maybe she's actually being the bigger person for once. And so, so then they step away from each other because of course this is Helen's book release. So she has to mingle and talk to other people. And at one point, Madeline is, she walks behind these two women that are looking at Helen's book and they're like, oh my God, how old is she? She looks so good. And of course, Helen wishes people were talking about her like that. And then she actually catches a glimpse of Helen talking to Ernest. And she actually pulls him aside where it looks like they're trying to get some privacy, right? So Madeline follows them. She overhears Helen basically talking crap to Ernest. So remember how I told you how she told Madeline, I don't blame you for what happened? Well, she tells Ernest a different story. She basically... She asks him, how's he doing? Like, oh, you're so happy, you know? And he basically lets her know, I'm not a surgeon anymore. And I'm actually, you know, I can't, I can never lie to you because, you know, she's like, oh, you're so, you know, you seem so happy. You know, basically kind of going off what Madeline said. Oh, you know, I bet you're so happy. And he pretty much is kind of letting her know, like, no, I'm not. And then Madeline starts to say that she blames. Then... Helen proceeds to blame Madeline for Ernest's shortcomings and says how she blames him for like him not being a surgeon. She blames him for, you know, ruining his life and, you know, taking him, taking him away from her, which is just the complete opposite than what she told Madeline. And so... Once, you know, Madeline Ernest leaves the party, they go home. Madeline packs her bags and she goes to her boy toy's house, okay? And I guess, you know, she had planned to stay the night with them, make herself feel better, you know? She gets to be with this youthful, you know, young, hot eye candy, you know, because Ernest, he's, he's well, they're around the same age, so she's not going to get that same experience with him, right? So then she realizes that her boy toy actually has his little, you know, little, I don't want to say boo thing, but he already has his girl there, which I, they're not really exclusive. I don't assume they just kind of have a little thing going and she can kind of go to him whenever she wants. But this time he actually had forgot that Madeline was supposed to be coming over and he has a girl already there. And this upsets Madeline because she's kind of self-centered. She wants things to be about her. And he basically tells her like, you know, people look down on me for being with you. You should really find someone your own age. And of course, Madeline does not want to hear anything about her like not being this youthful, beautiful girl. So she starts you know, driving recklessly. It's raining really hard. She's crying hard. And she's just because of the night that she had, you know, seeing Helen, the way Helen interacted with her husband. Then we have her boy toy even kind of going against her. You know, it's like everyone against Madeline, you know. Uh, oh, poor Madeline. So then Madeline looks at herself in the rearview mirror as she's driving. And she sees she has her mascara is running. So she like screams and abruptly stops, stops her car in the middle of the road. Almost causes a wreck. If it wasn't a movie, that would have definitely been a wreck. So she empties her purse, trying to look for some cloth or napkin to like help wipe her face. And then she comes across the torn up card that she was given at that clinic. And then she goes, hmm, maybe I should go to this place, see what they're talking about. 
So then we jump to see Helen, right? And she is basically in her vanity practicing her distressed voice of like how she's going to approach Madeline, which I'm not sure what this plan was, but of course it alters. But I'm not sure what her plan was, but she's practicing her distressed voice like, Ernest, can I speak to Madeline immediately? Or she just says, can I speak to Madeline immediately? So she's like super duper upset. Well, faking it. And then once we see that she feels like she's gotten the voice down, she leaves, is getting up to leave her room so she can go off to Madeline's house. And we see that she has basically the shrine of pretty much like, I hate Madeline or like X's on Madeline's face, you know, old yearbook pictures, pictures from movies that she's been in and how pretty much he just does not like Madeline. Okay. So, um, then we go back to Madeline who has gone to the address that is on the card, right? Because she is curious about who this lady is or, you know, what she could possibly do for her. Um, so then we end up meeting, uh, Lisel von Rumen, who's played by Isabella Rosalini. And she looks very young, glowy, tight body. Um, she has this commanding presence. Um, like you would not want to mess with her. Um, but also she has like this real nice, kind of, she has like this, um, I don't want to use the word exotic, um, but she has like this, kind of like liberating like vibe to her if that makes sense so she actually is wearing just a sargon and like this chain top so so imagine like wearing like a necklace right but it's necklaces that reaches all the way down where it covers like her chest area um, and it, I mean, it just droops all the way down to cover the chest area, but like, you know, everything else is pretty much out. Right. So she looks very beautiful and, um, she pretty much lets Madeline know, well, one, she knows what her fears are already. Like, I know why you're here. And, you know, she tells Madeline about herself and then she also gives her a solution to Madeline's problems um and she because she shows her this potion and she then asks Madeline well guess my age and so Madeline is like 38 and you know of course the lady looks at her like really 38 and then um Madeline quickly changes her tune and she goes or quickly changes her answer and is like 28 uh 19 <laughs> she's trying to go lower to um not make her feel bad and so the lady says well I'm 71 years old and of course Madeline is like no way so then uh Lisa tells her how with this potion basically we can make you look youthful again and stop aging you'll stop aging and you'll look just as beautiful as you once did in your prime Madeline asks for a price and Lisa's like, well, it's different for everybody. It just depends on the person. So then Madeline is like, well, how much would it cost me then? So she writes down a number. We don't see what the number is, but by Madeline's expression, we can tell uh, we can tell that it was way too much or she didn't figure it was worth that price. So then Lisa's like, okay, hold on. Let me show you something. So she ends up pricking Madeline's finger and when she pricks her finger she then dips that um, knife that she used in the potion and then puts like the sharp point towards her cut where the potion like will get into her skin and she looks at her hand and it completely becomes young her hand becomes young and you can see the difference between how her hand looked like present day versus what the potion did and so then Madeline instantly knows this is some good stuff like this can get her exactly to what she wants to look like again so then Madeline's like okay do you take a check so she writes her check and then Lisa does let her know a couple of things she says okay so if you take this potion one at one point because you're always going to look young you're going to stop aging you're going to have to disappear 
Okay, no matter how you do it, whether you fake your death, uh, whether you just move, you know, somewhere else, you're going to have to disappear from this area because we don't want people to get suspicious and wonder, well, what does she take to get to look like that? Right. Or witchcraft or whatever people may think. And two, you have to take care of yourself. Okay, and this is really the most important instruction because, yes, you look beautiful, right? You stop aging. Cool. But if you don't take care of yourself, you are going to be stuck this way. So if you start looking bad, then you won't look bad. Okay, so it's the most important rule. So then Madeline, of course, she's like, okay, lady, whatever. She drinks the potion and then she is leaving Lisa's house. But before she leaves, there's this mirror right by the exit, by the front doors. And she's looking to see if anything has happened yet. And then all of a sudden her body transforms, you know, her boobs get lifted, her butt gets lifted skin looks glowing beautiful tight body looks good like she's looking how we seen her when the movie originally came on so she's happy so she goes home and so of course this makes her very happy now we jump to where madeline is we jump to where helen is at madeline's house and she's ready to talk to madeline Um, But Ernest ends up answering and he tells her that Madeline isn't there. So then Helen begins to manipulate Ernest. So at this point, we know that she's not exactly trying to get back with Ernest. She is trying to get revenge on Madeline. So she starts pretending to want him, trying to seduce him, and then lets her know of this grand master plan that she has to get rid of Madeline because she's like... She's made your life miserable. She's made my life miserable. We need to get rid of her. And of course, Ernest, he's really a follower. He doesn't have a, he's not strong. He doesn't have a strong mind. He doesn't have an independent mind. He, he goes wherever the wind will blow him. Okay. And Helen's like, okay, well, here's the plan. Um, and you know, let's all have dinner together. But before dinner, you, like lace all of the glasses with this poison and when we have dinner she's drink from any of the glasses and she'll be poisoned then we can um, put her in a car put like a brick on the on the gas have it drive off a cliff this will end up burning her body up they won't recognize her she'll also have a high alcohol level and you know case will be closed and that will be the end of our problems and we could be together or you know we could just live our own lives And Ernest is thinking, okay, well, this is a pretty good idea because he's over her. So he's like, I'm with it. So after that encounter, you know, of course, that's the plan. So they have to just kind of wait to play it all out. Now, Ernest, he has a lot of pent up rage for Madeline because she always insults him. She's actually a better insulter than he is. And he... And she really knows how to get under his skin. So at one point, Ernest just starts, you know, kind of going off on Madeline, you know, letting out how he's been feeling all of these years. And of course, Madeline, she gets, you know, she goes off on him. She insults him. She even goes as low as talking about his manhood. Okay. I'm talking about I would have much more fun with one of your clients than I would with you. Mind you, his clients are dead, okay? So yeah, that's a big insult. And so they're getting into this argument. And once she insults his manhood, he loses it. He starts choking her. They're upstairs when this ha- when he when they're having this argument. So when he chokes her, you know, he they're kind of like walking as he's choking her. Um and then at one point, he's kind of like holding her over the top of the stairs and then when he realizes his rage had got the best of him um he lets go and he feels really regretful like oh my god I'm so sorry that I did that but she's kind of tilt like it's weird to explain but she's kind of like hovering over the stairs like her heels are like kind of like um they're kind of like I want to say locked into the step, but I don't really know how to describe it. But she's basically kind of like tilting over the stairs and she's asking Ernest for help. Like, oh, oh, help me, help me. And he's looking at her like, oh my God, she can like fall. 
but he's not really trying to help her. And so at one point she's like, you know, help me freaking idiot. She gives some insult, insult to him. And so he just lightly taps her, taps her with his finger and it pushes her down the stairs. And this is a big flight of stairs. So, you know, not very good. So she tumbles down the stairs. It's obvious she's broken her neck. She's dead right so Ernest panics because this was not a part of the plan so he calls Helen he's like freaking out you know telling her oh my god she's dead she fell down the stairs and Madeline is like did you call the 911 and he's like no and she's like oh my god you're so stupid because if you call me first they're gonna know something was up so then she starts trying to go over this plan with him like okay this is what we should do blah 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 so when Madeline gets up, she completely spooks Ernest and she pretty much brings up to the fact like you pushed me down the stairs. Like, how dare you? And she mentions how she's going to call 911 and he's kind of freaking out. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, look at you like, oh, my God. And she doesn't realize that basically her whole neck is turned around and the front of her is her back and so he starts like pointing at her trying to like tell her like look and when she looks down she goes and this is one of my favorite lines she goes my ass I can see my ass or she's oh my god I did it perfectly earlier she's like my ass I can see my ass or like however she did it the perfect you know Meryl Streep way and um how is my neck turned all the way around? Like, how, how am I able to see my ass? Okay. I shouldn't be able to see it. And so this starts freaking her out and they're both kind of in shock at this point. So she ends up like turning her head back around and Ernest is like, what the heck is going on? Because first of all, you would be in extreme pain. Well, you would be dead. Okay. You can't crack your neck like that and still be alive. And so he was like, you would be dead. And so then she's like, I think I need to go to the doctor. So he like, you know, speeds to the emergency room. He gets her in there and it freaks the doctor out because none of her vitals are showing normal. Like she doesn't have a heartbeat. She doesn't have a pulse. Uh, her temperature is blowing. Like it's bad, right? So even the doctor's like, um, you like he's describing to her all these things that are wrong with you. Like you shouldn't even be alive right now. And he, the doctor even leaves the room because it freaks him out. And then Ernest realizes he's like, oh my God, you're dead. Like you're really dead. And it freaks her out because she's like, how am I dead and still alive? So then everyone's freaking out at this point. And Madeline ends up fainting and Ernest ends up trying to find a doctor. The, the doctor has a freaking heart attack. Okay. That's how much he freaked out about it because he'd never seen anything like that. So then... What ends up happening is Ernest is, he comes to a revelation that maybe this all happened for a reason. Maybe that is why she is like this living dead person because I'll get to one kind of mix both of his professions. Like I can kind of make her up like I would as a plastic surgeon. And at the same time, like I'm doing what I do on my dead clients because she's not looking very good at this point because of what happened to her. So he really sees this as a challenge for him. So then meanwhile, Helen shows up to Ernest's house ready to help get rid of Madeline's body. But at this point, you know, Ernest has kind of made peace with the point that you know, Madeline's alive. Maybe we can, you know, make this work. I can just fix her. This will give me a purpose. This will help her out. And so he's just kind of okay. You know, he's, he's fine with this. But when Helen comes to try to help cover up the body, Ernest freaks out because he's like, um, he doesn't know how to explain that she's basically still alive. And Helen is still under the impression that she's dead. And so Helen keeps trying to pretty much try to get to Madeline's body. And Ernest is trying to keep her away. And um, then, you know, Helen is going on this rant, you know, talking crap about Madeline. And Madeline at one point comes downstairs. And Helen's like, oh my God, like she's alive. How is she still freaking alive, right? And uh, Madeline is seeming calm at first, right? And then she ends up going to a different room getting a gun and then she shoots 
Helen right in the stomach. And this makes Helen like, because they're like in the, I guess you could say like the corridor area or however you would say it, where like you first walk into the house and there's like this big space. And then you can like either go to like the area on the right or on the left, there's the stairs. And then straight ahead, you can go through the double doors, which will lead to like their little pond or their pool, pool that they have out there. And so she, when she shoots her, Helen flies literally through those doors out into the pool because she shoots her with a freaking barrel shotgun. And, um, then Madeline pretty much is like, oh, well, we got rid of her. That's okay. But then Ernest starts freaking out again. And he's like, we need to call the police. You know, we have to like, you know, figure out what we're going to do. And then Madeline pretty much is like, hey, we got rid of her. It's okay. And yeah, don't call the cops because if you do, I'll pretend to be dead because I am already dead. And then this will make you look even worse. So then Ernest ends up going where the wind blows him. And they decide that they're going to cover up her body. Now, Helen already brought the tools to do it. So then Madeline's like, oh, it's perfect. She, you know, she bought stuff for, you know, her own cover up. And so (laughs) Madeline just so relaxed about it. Ernest is freaking out. So then Helen ends up getting up from the pool. And this surprises both of them. And the women then realize that they both had took this potion. So Helen took this potion a long time ago. And, you know, of course, Madeline, like, just took the potion, whether it was a couple days before or, you know, just sometime real recently. And so they realized they both took the potion, and that's why they're still alive. And they end up getting into this fight, and they're fighting with, like, shovels, right? And at one point, Helen end up, ends up smashing Madeline's neck, but they basically end up hashing out their issues. So they're talking about their childhood issues, just talking to, you know, Helen mentions how, you know, Madeline, you always stole my man. And Madeline's like, well, we were younger. You never invited me to your party. And so they're just, they're just hashing out their little issues that they've always had with each other, which caused them to have so much conflict. And then at one point they realize that, We've been fighting all this time, but like really what's the point? Because we're basically like the same person. And then they realized that Ernest could help them because Helen has a hole in her stomach. At this point, Madeline has like a smashed neck where she can't even hold it up. Like she has to literally pull her head up. So her like, cause her neck will just like flop down. (laughs) Like it's really weird the way it looks, but um, the effects were super, super dope in this movie, even even for it to be in the 90s. So they're like, okay, we need Ernest to fix us, right? So how about we just like both come together and, you know, have him fix us and then we'll be good. Ernest is over both of these women because he's had Helen, he's had Madeline, he's over the whole thing. So he does agree to fix them, but he says he'll only do it if he gets to leave and they never try to find him and they never, and he never has to deal with them again. And so they agree and they're like, okay, sure. So he, he like, uh, fixes them up, makes them look super good. And then once he, you know, polishes them up, they look normal. Helen, Madeline tries to fix, like, I guess her skin looked weird or something. So Madeline tries to fix Helen's skin and it ends up ripping off. It's like her pale skin underneath. And then that freaks them out because then they realize, well, they say, okay, well, maybe Ernest can, you know, fix this before he leaves. And then Helen thinks, well, what are we going to do if this happens again? And he's not here. What are we going to do if it rains, if it we're in, you know, harsh weather conditions and if it affects our skin, like all this makeup, like what will we do? So then they realize that they need Ernest to always be around. So they pretty much try to trick him into taking the potion himself because if he takes the potion he'll always be alive so even if he doesn't stick around they could always go and find him and he could always help them (laughs) all the time um which Ernest definitely does not want to do that so they end up uh knocking him out getting him over to Lisa's house Lisa's trying to convince him to basically say you'll get eternal life you'll get to do this you'll get to do that like you'll just have so much more time and you'll be able to do what you want as a surgeon and all this stuff right and then Ernest for once in his life really takes a moment thinks about it and it sounds good but then he goes well what if I get bored 
everyone's going to grow old around me. And so he's seeing just all of these negative aspects that this could cause if he sticks around forever. And he's like, I actually don't want that. So then, uh, you know, a chase ensues because he tries to run, he tries to escape. He ends up, um, kind of crashing this party that's already going on in this house, which is full of like other dead people or other people who've taken the potion. And he's really just trying to escape because he wants nothing to do with those women. He wants nothing to do with taking that potion. And at one point he ends up like, uh, on the roof of the house and he's trying to like climb to the other side so he can exit and while he's doing all of this like he's climbing on the roof Madeline and Helen end up on the roof and they try to like stop him and when they call out to him this startles him and some of like the roofing uh like gets ripped off or falls and basically he ends up hanging off of like a storm drain like when he falls like his suspenders catch on the storm drain and then he ends up like swinging into like the middle where he has nothing to grab onto and like at any point he could fall and this is a long fall and then the girls are like trying to tell him drink the potion like you'll stay alive even if you fall and then he's like oh well you're right so he like gets it then he thinks about a gun and goes no I, I would rather die than have to deal with y'all again so he he drops the potion and then he ends up falling Luckily, he falls into the pool, so he's still alive, and he he does end up escaping. And then what basically happens is Madeline and Helen are left to their own devices, and they are left to basically manage their own upkeep since they haven't taken care of themselves, and now they've really, you know, damaged themselves. They have to deal with trying to fix themselves up or attempt to. So then we fast forward 37 years later, Ernest has passed away and Madeline and Helen attend his funeral and they're not taking this seriously. I don't even know why they went to his funeral, but they did. And you know, the eulogist, he's saying such nice things about Ernest and they're just like, yeah, yeah, like whatever. And then at one point, Helen's like, give me that, you know, can of paint because something on her face was messed up and she needed to like spray the paint on her. And they can't find the can, even though Helen said she put it in Madeline's purse. So then they're like, okay, well, we got to go find it. So they start arguing, bickering. And it turns out that can is on the stairs that they have to walk down. And Helen ends up slipping on it. And the same thing happens to her. What happened to Madeline? How she's kind of like leaning or uh, hovering over the stairs and she asks for Madeline's help and Madeline's looking at her like hmm like I'm debating if I should help her or not and then Helen grabs her they both fall down the stairs and this actually like breaks them like I, like their body falls apart <laughs> like they're mannequins or something because they haven't took care of their body so it's like really bad at this point and and I mean that's pretty much the end of the movie <laughs> they all end up they end up breaking into pieces like they're freaking you know mannequins and um this movie for me it's really fun there's a great cast Madeline and Helen are the original frenemies like they're the type of friends that will smile on each other's face will also throw these little jabs at each other but we'll still call each other friends but we'll still back each other backstab each other in the back and my thing is this I never felt like Helen was really like she wasn't a loyal friend Madeline really brought Helen into that dark place I don't think Helen was ever like self-centered or anything like that she just got to like a breaking point because of Madeline and how she treated her all those years and so their relationship was just a real love and hate relationship, even though I don't even know where any of the love was because it wasn't like they ever loved each other, to be honest. So yeah, that's the original frenemies right there. Also, I think this movie tells a story about, you know, vanity. Um, well, vanity from the side of Madeline, because she just cared about her appearance. She cared about herself. She cared about what people could do for her. She cared about people praising her. She cared about people having you know, an attraction to her for people, you know, she just wanted it all. And I felt like the only thing, you know, Helen really wanted was a good friend and someone who loved her and her friend wasn't good. And 
all the dudes she ever wanted that she loved would always run off with Madeline. This is a very good story. I feel like this story definitely kept my interest all the way through. So we have director Robert Zemeckis. And he is, to me, a heavy hitter director. He directed The Back to the Futures. He directed Forrest Gump and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I was like, wow, okay. No idea that the same director directed all those other movies. Um, then going through the cast, we have Meryl Streep, who played Madeline Ashton Menville. She was in Devil's Wears Prada, Sophie's Choice. Okay, everyone should know Meryl Streep, okay? Meryl Streep is good. We have Bruce Willis, the Bruce Willis. He was in Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, and he played Dr. Ernest Menville. We have Goldie Hawn, who plays Helen Sharp. She was in Overboard, First Wives Club. We have Isabel Rossellini, who played Lisa Von Ruman. She played in Blue Velvet, Fearless. We have Ian Oglevy, who played Chagall. He was in Mr. Life in Ruins, Wuthering Heights. Uh, we have Adam Stork, who played Dakota, which was the boy toy. He was in Mystic Pizza, The Phantom of the Opera. We have Nancy Fish, who played Rose. She was in The Mask. We have Aileen Reed Hall, who was a psychologist. She was in the 227 series, also in Cru Cruel Intentions. We have Michelle Johnson, who played Anna. She was in Blame It on Rio, Far and Away. We have Mary Ellen Trainer, who played Vivian Adams. She was in Goonies, Die Hard. We have William Frank Father, who was Mr. Franklin. He was in Mouse Hunt and Harry and the Hendersons. Then we have John Engel, who was the eulogist, and he was in the Heathers and General Hospital series. Okay, so just a little bit of trivia here. Uh, Meryl Streep accidentally scarred Goldie Hawn's cheek with a shovel during the fight scene. Yikes. Um, I have like a fake fight scene in actress. Well, I actually got... I actually got punched. I didn't get a bruise or anything, but that did hurt. She had a mighty, she had a mighty punch. Okay, this film was originally going to be a sequel to Tales from the Crypt. The later film was a favorite Halloween classic for director Robert when he was a young man. I love Tales of the Crypt as well. I love Tales from the Crypt. And I feel like there's another spooky series that I cannot think of. Maybe it was the same same one tells from the crypt but anyways okay this film takes place over the course of 51 years it's from 1978 to 2029 can you believe like we're nine years away from 2029 um so there was supposed to be like this bra that was built to create the effect where male streep's breasts become higher and firmer after drinking the potion but the effect didn't look realistic enough so in order to get the shot Streep's dresser stood behind her out of sight of the camera and pushed her breasts into position. How funny is that? <laughs> the film won the Oscar for best visual effects and it defeated Batman Returns and Alien 3. What the heck? Death Becomes Her beat Batman Returns and Alien 3. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Meryl Streep wasn't thrilled that this film relied heavily on visual effects. Streep claimed that shooting the film was like going to the dentist and states that the film is her first, last, and only special effects driven film. Thanks to technological advancements of this film, industrial light and magic used some of the techniques for Jurassic Park. Holy crap. Death Becomes Her became a pioneer for movies like Jurassic Park. How cool is that? That is so freaking cool. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get into some creative movie questions. And guys, I have been thinking long and hard of different questions that I could do because I wanted to do something a little different than the typical themed episodes. I think I came up with some that are pretty fun, but we shall see. So the first question we're going to start off with is... I love that scene. So this is basically my, what are like my favorite scenes of the movie. So I love when they confront each other. So this is after Helen gets up out of the water and Madeline, you know, 
kind of confronts her because they're upset with each other and they start doing like this they start walking in circles but it's almost like they're doing this dance because they're like walking in the circle around each other like almost like they're sharks right and they're like you know really upset and because this is when they're finding out that they both end up drinking the potion because uh helen has a pin there's a pin that anytime you take the potion lisa will give to people so i love that scene because just the effects of it was really cool especially how goldie Hawn had that big hole in her stomach uh then i also like the scene where madeline her body reverses the aging her skin becomes tight her boobs lift her booty lifts and just like how she like the mood like as soon as she realized that she was back to her youthful self i love that part all right so next question we got here um this is going to be called that made me so blank so basically i'll tell you an emotion i felt from a particular scene what the emotion was and why so this scene is the doctor office scene where Ernest takes Madeline after of course she twisted her own her own freaking neck back around this scene made me happy well I think happy to just describe it but it made me laugh because this was pure comedy gold to me because the doctor okay he like he's like okay you know what's wrong with you because she looks normal and so he's like okay um uh let me check your temperature he sees her temperature and he's like that don't look normal um then he um then he's like okay well what's you know going on she's like oh I got this little thing with my neck and she moves the coat so he can see her neck and there's like a bone protruding we don't really see it but it freaks him out like he jumps he goes oh like okay well uh that don't look right oh well actually let me go back before after he took her temperature he uh was moving her wrist back and he was like does this hurt does this hurt and she's like no does this hurt? No. Does this hurt? And at one point, he's moving her wrist so far back that technically he'd be close to breaking it. And she's not feeling nothing. And he's like, that's not normal. And you're hearing like a little cracking as he's moving her moving her hand back. So then he even, you know, he checks to hear her heartbeat. He tries one of the, I think it's called the stethoscope. He uses one and he doesn't hear nothing. Then he gets the bigger one. <laughs> and there's this part where he like blows on it. He's like, <laughs> I don't know why he did that. And then he like uh, put it against her chest and he doesn't hear nothing. And then he's like, uh, Ernest is like getting a cigarette out or he's getting a piece of gum. I think it was a piece of gum. He's like, oh, yeah, can I have one of those? Cause he starts like freaking out. He's like, your temperature is below 80. You have a bone protruding from your neck. Your wrist is fractured in like three different places and, uh, you don't have a heartbeat. And so <laughs> just the, I felt like that scene, like, it was just the way he did that. It, it was just, it was really perfect. I love that. So next question we have here, that was a, well, not a question, but like topic. Um, the next one we have is that was a snooze fest. So I would talk about a scene that bored me and why, but I felt this movie had good fast pacing. And from what I read, there was a lot of things that were cut out of the movie. So it didn't drag. And I felt like they definitely accomplished that goal. So nothing really bored me. It kept me interested the whole way. It had me thinking, okay, what's gonna happen next? Okay, what's gonna happen to that? Okay, how are they gonna solve that? Okay, how are they gonna do this? It kept me on the edge of my seat because of these great actors that were in it as well all right the next topic we have here or the next question uh that was interesting so basically I'm going to talk about a scene that made me think uh confused me or made me curious and for me that would have to be the scene where Helen rises out of the water with a huge hole through her stomach because I know that was CGI but it was just too perfect for the graphics of you know the in the 90s just too 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 perfect because this movie was actually released july 31st 1992 oh this was the year i was born so yeah those graphics were crazy so that just really um just kind of made me curious on how they did it and also i was just amazed by it okay next thing we have up if i if i could live as one of the characters for a day who would i pick and why i would choose lisa the one who had the potion because like i said she had like a kind of a domineering she had a strong presence 
There was some mystery to her. We got a little bit of her. We didn't get a lot, but it looked like she had everything she wanted. She had a you know beautiful body. She was beautiful. So I think I would definitely want to be her for a day if I could. All right, next one we have. If this movie could be a season, which one would it be and what holiday would they be celebrating? Definitely fall and they would be celebrating Halloween because with Madeline's smashed neck and Helen's hole in her stomach, they could just sit on their front porch and scare some kids and kids are thinking it's fake and it's all real, you know? So I think that would actually be perfect. <laughs> Even though I think the those women would die. They would never go out like that, even if they thought it was funny, you know, or a part of the season. But I think that would be that would be a funny, a funny scene. <laughs> Seeing kids go up to them and they're like, What's wrong with her neck? She has a hole in her stomach. Thinking, Wow, those are good effects, but no, it's real. Okay, so if all of the characters are going on a trip, who's planning it? Who's going and where are they going? So I feel like Helen was more of the planner, especially when she came up with that whole plan. Well, one, to like take the potion, to get this revenge on Madeline. So she's the planner for sure. And I think it would be her if they were beautiful again, right? Like let's say they were in tip top shape. Ernest was out of their lives. I think that they would definitely, Helen would plan it. Madeline would go. They would rent like, a nice hotel room and I think they would go somewhere like Spain um because I was trying to look up places that had perfect weather because wherever perfect weather is I think that's where they would want to go because they don't want to be somewhere where it's too cold not somewhere that's too hot um and and I think they would want to be in like a lavish uh cultural place I feel like they would want to be like around culture um, and then just kind of fine dining getting the best of everything so that's where I feel like they would go all right, next I have, okay, pick a character, pick a character or characters, and what superpower would they have? So we're just going to go with Madeline, Ernest, and Helen. Madeline, I say that she would like, she likes the idea of being immortal, which is basically what they were, because they can't die, um, but she would be immortal, but with the perk of not being able to get hurt and not dying, which she already had anyways, but like the fact of like, even if she fell downstairs, her neck couldn't break, like nothing could happen to her. I think she would like that. Or I think that could be her power. And then we have Ernest. I feel like he would probably teleport, um, teleport for the fact that he just seemed like he didn't like where he was. So if he could just vanish and go wherever he wanted, anytime he wanted, I think that would make him happy. Um, and Helen, shapeshifter, and I say shapeshifter for the fact of how we saw her overweight and then how she transformed into this beautiful woman, even though we know it's because of the potion. But I feel as though she would like the idea of being other people if she could and kind of have different experiences because I do, I don't feel Helen was as vain as Madeline, to be honest. Like, I think the vanity part was like, they both to some extent, but I don't think Helen was as worse as Madeline. Okay. And then the last question I got here, well, actually second to last question, if you could make a sequel or origin story, which one would you pick? What would it be about? And or what character would it, would it be based on? I'm going to go with the origin story because obviously I'm obsessed with Lisa. I would love to know one where she was in her life whenever she before she got a hold of the potion. Then I would like to see what her life how it changed when she took the potion. And then I'd be interest, interested to know whether she made it, whether she stole it um whether someone else or yeah still in it maybe she got it from someone else and stole like all of their supply and that was the only ones that were made um and then just how she kind of who was like the first person she introduced it to and like how did it affect them did it ever have negative effects on anyone else so I would definitely like to see an origin story on this movie I think that would be super dope all right so we're actually on the last question here and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap this episode up so on a scale from theater to tv which one would i recommend so 
with all the movies that I talk about, the ones that I highlight, I will always ask the last question in regards to like, how would I recommend someone watching this movie? Um, and the options are either on screen, uh, waiting till it goes on Redbox, so renting DVD, or watching it on TV. This is definitely go to the movies to go see this movie. So when I said on screen, I meant theater. So go to the theaters. That's what I would recommend for this movie because it's funny, it's witty, it's quick. Um, it, it, I feel like this is a good movie that like, you know, a couple could go watch. Um, a group of girls could go watch like you know this is a this was definitely a fun movie and I think it would have been really cool to see it in theaters if I wasn't a let's see February March April May June, if I wasn't a five-month-old baby then yeah I would have loved to seen it in the theaters <laughs> all right well you know what I think that is it that we have from the episode I think I've talked a lot or maybe not enough um but definitely go ahead and if this is your first episode listening to it go back uh and listen to some of the other episodes that we have also you can visit our website which is called but ma that's my favorite movie.com don't forget to subscribe to any of the platforms so you do get notifications when new episode comes out even though the primary release date is on Thursdays if you want to check out the social medias we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter you can definitely do that and that is all I have for you today guys I have fun doing this episode I hope you have fun listening to it and the show is over the credits are rolling and I will see y'all the next show time